This is Let's Get Real with your realtor hosts, Mallory Myers and Rob Calabro, talking real life and real estate. All right. From the Buckeyes State to the Sunshine State, this is Let's Get Real. All right. So today I want to give a quick little uh, intro about what we're going to talk about in today's show. Um, the first topic is lender, uh, a really funny lender brawl that occurred. I think it was about a week ago. Uh, we're going to give our thoughts on that. It happened at a realtor convention. The second topic we're going to touch on today are some home trends that we see fading in the market. And uh, the third thing we're going to discuss is why you need to list with an agent versus listing for sale by owner. Okay, so Mal, what's up? How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm gearing up for the holiday. We're about a week away from Christmas, which is insane in the membrane. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just kind of gearing up for that over here and... Um, getting clients under contract and have schedules uh good for showing you. scheduled so business is still moving a week awesome. away from christmas how about you over there uh same here we are doing great um the the market has held steady um i always say that um showings are you know an, a leading indicator of what's happening both in your personal business and in the market i've mm -hmm. been showing a lot of properties recently so um, for being a week or two before Christmas, that's a great sign. Um, I expect Definitely. more inventory to come on here in the next uh, two weeks. As soon as, basically, as soon as New Year's is over, I expect to see a spike in inventory. So um, the market's going to be really fast-paced, starting up really soon. Um, for sure. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. So let's let's move to the first topic. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay. um, the lender brawl. So yeah. we, you and I have been like texting back and forth. We talked about this. It's on YouTube, I guess. I don't know if we can get a link somehow to. Uh... I'm, yeah, I'm sure we can get a link Anyways, to it if you haven't um, seen it already. So, all right. You, you tell us what happened. Um, well, honestly, I, I'm on the go so much. I follow a lot of realtors on social media, a lot of real estate content on social media. So the broke agent actually is where I, I uh, saw it first. They're an Instagram account, um, Facebook account, um, and they're great, but they posted it and they kind of were just like trying to figure out what the context of the fight was. And, you know, we all put our comments in and, and um, we all, as realtors put our comments in about what we think it was about. And I put, you know, it's buyers agents and listing agents <laughs> going at it. Um, but it's, it's kind of uh, an example of what this industry can do to you. <laughs> it can cause you to lose all of your brain cells and just emotion, you know, emotions can take over. It's a little, it's a little insane. Obviously I think alcohol was involved in that brawl oh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah <laughs> but it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I can see if you don't have the capacity to take on this industry as a lender, as a realtor, you know, it's stressful. And mm -hmm. it, it, if you don't go at it with a professional mindset that there's enough business for us all that, you know, it's, it's not a competitive um, industry. It doesn't have to be a competitive industry, but it can be if that's how you look at it. That's, and I think that's what, what happened there. But um 
what do you what did you find out okay What'd so to set the stage on this video essentially there's a big brawl that occurred at one of these casinos in atlantic city it was during a realtor conference uh, i think there was like three states uh, that all came together for a huge realtor conference obviously when realtors get together then all the other vendors come and join lenders title companies um insurance whoever else you know that they that we work with a lot so right. it turns out you know from what i read i guess I, I can't say for certain but from what i read and what i saw that this brawl was between two lenders one was hosting a party the other uh refused to leave a, a party that was being hosted by a different lending institution so kind of uh, obviously like you said alcohol involved tensions got high and uh turned out to be like a really crazy uh situation but also for us kind of funny to watch yeah. especially being that like it wasn't in florida and it wasn't in ohio yeah it's like right. in new york or new jersey so we weren't involved but we're from from an outside perspective one super unprofessional ridiculous mm -hmm. um but i think it leads to an interesting conversation and that is that why would two two professionals or two groups of professionals mm -hmm. be in a situation where they actually you know were were fighting physically fighting with each other you know who knows exactly what it was about i mean probably more than just business related right but at the end of the day what it makes me think of is um maybe there needs to be some um some different ways for lenders to to get business. I mean, you and I know like we have a lot of good relationships with a lot of financial institutions and and a lot of uh, lenders rely on referrals from real estate agents to right. grow their business to build their business. Absolutely. Um, and the other part of that is that a lot of lenders offer very comparable you know fannie mae freddie mac products so mm -hmm. to differentiate themselves you know what what do they do they they throw parties they they do their best to build strong relationships with agents however unfortunately a lot of times the the business aspect of that relationship isn't really uh tied to why the they're getting those referrals right it's, right. it's more of a friendship than it is a, a business um relationship absolutely um, so i think you know but but the reality is for most lenders they're they're not all the same they have different right. programs certain lenders excel in uh different niches of the market um some lenders you know i i've got a lender here in columbus that i know does a really good job on condos in the downtown market they have an, a uh portfolio product that they could basically lend on almost any condo whether it's conforming or non-conforming so they're a go-to lender for me when i have a client that's looking for that type of property and mm. you could take it you know from all different aspects absolutely you know so i mean you you probably see yeah. similar in your area. yeah i um i have a preferred lender but i have a couple lenders i hold in my pocket right so like if if my preferred lender doesn't isn't quite able to, for whatever reason, give my clients what they need um, because of their program limitations, because they just can't offer something in that particular area. I go, you know, I have a couple 
that I work with closely. And they're all amazing, amazing lenders. They're all local. They bust their butts for my clients. They get to the closing table smoothly, you know, kind of like you go back to it. It's a business and they do offer mostly the same product, but at the same time, it's what's the level of customer service that they're giving? What is the level of respect that they're giving? Like you said, like a friendship and, and how are they treating my clients? How are they treating the business that they're getting? And there's a lot more than just giving you a mortgage and giving you a mortgage rate. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so much more than that. And, and I think that that's why you have a preferred lender. That's why you have a go-to is because you're trusting them with your business to get to the closing table and to take care of your clients. Yeah. It's not just, yeah, they'll give you a mortgage rate. That's pretty decent. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And I mean, for, for your and I's perspective, we have to remember that we're not, uh, we're not the one getting the loan, right? So at right. the end of the day, the, the decision on who is the lender in the transaction should be the buyer. It is 100%. the buyer's decision. It is yep. their loan. They're making the, the mortgage payments. Yep. Um, but, but, you know, most of the time they look to someone like you or I, because we've seen a lot of different scenarios. We've seen a mm-hmm. lot of different lenders and we can give advice as to who's going to perform the best what's you know and right. so the way i look at it is i want to present the the buyer with options of yep. of who they could choose i'll give my recommendations why based on their employment based on the type of property they're buying you know maybe based on a certain type of grant or something that they might qualify for um but they need to do their research too and select right. what they feel most comfortable with but you're right, knowing the lender, knowing that lender can perform, having a good relationship with not only the, the loan officer, but maybe some of the other people involved in the, in the lending process so that you have a go-to person, that yes, does help. Absolutely. I mean, it helps a lot. It so helps a lot. Those relationships are, are key for us, um, but we have to look at all of the reasons why we're recommending a certain lender. And I think those lenders, you know, coming back full circle, I think those yeah. lenders need to, to look at why, why they're a good choice, not just right. from a personal relationship standpoint, but from a business standpoint, why are the products they offering better? Right. What service are they offering as well? Like, what are they giving the clients? And it sounds like there might've been some, the two competitive lenders mm. in the area, you know, and people are bouncing back and forth. And obviously if you can't take emotions aside, they're going to get the best of you. Yeah. And you brought up a, a funny uh, comment about like, could it be listing agents and buyers yeah. agents going at it? Uh, which is obviously not the case. I mean, it, it, in what we do, like working with other agents, we, I feel like we tend to, um, or we're better off having good relationships with them. 100%. You know, absolutely. You're going to get that situation where you, you clash with somebody because of, you know, you're, you're fighting for your client and they're fighting for their client and what have you. Um, Yeah. But it is better for us to, to co-op and be, be well-liked because that actually helps you. 100%. Right. 100%. Because again, you, they say it's your listing, and then they have a listing down the road that your buyer wants. You yeah. want to always have a good reputation, always treat people with respect, always remember that we're on the same team. We want to get our clients under contract. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, you know, mm-hmm. but there, I mean, as I mentioned in, in previous episodes, there are difficult agents. And so it's yeah. kind of a joke of, 
you know, the listing agents right now are just coasting off easy business while the buyer's agents are busting their butts because we're trying to get our clients under contract. And you don't have to be a good listing agent right now. You could be a really crappy listing agent that just, you know, puts, puts their sign in the yard and holds an open house and can sell the house. Yeah. So, well, but know. we're going to talk about that at the end a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, there is a difference between, you know, good and great. Right. And, uh, but you're right. It, you know, a lot of agents, like we talked about um, previously, you know, a lot of agents are inexperienced, but still getting opportunities. And if you're an experienced agent, then maybe you're helping your client take advantage of, of that other situation. Right. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Well, okay. So we are going to discuss that more in a little bit. Do you want to jump yeah. to home trends? Yeah. Let's talk about home trends. Now that 2021 is about to wrap up, we're moving into 2022 and we're seeing a lot of shifts and designs and what people are attracted to when they go to a house and what people are turning away from. And so uh, Rob and I found a couple really fun um, articles about the top what is it like the worst home design yeah, trends uh, <laughs> top 10 trends that were fading in the industry yeah, which there were some yeah. good there were some that i didn't um didn't really wasn't really familiar with but there were some yeah. good ones all right so let's talk about the first one that was on there number 10 was sliding barn doors how do you yeah. feel about so i have a love-hate relationship with them okay. my my hate trid side of it is i've seen them a lot in bathrooms as a door to a bathroom and like in a hallway Th that would not do sit well with me <laughs> like okay. i don't feel like it's private enough i don't feel like it's you know comforting if i'm in the bathroom that mm -hmm. you know it just feels odd to me it feels so strange to me so i'm not a fan of them as a bathroom door in a hallway now sometimes there's like a little nook in a house, like a den, let's say, that doesn't mm -hmm. have a door and it would kind of be a pain to create a door. Um, so I think it's a great idea to separate space for an office or for like, say a master suite has like the bathroom yes. and the yep. closet, but doesn't have a door to it. Just mm -hmm. sliding a bedroom uh, barn door there. I don't hate that idea. It's private enough and you know it separates the space. Um, but I cannot stand it when it's in like a major space. I, I just feel like that's not private, like for a bathroom with a shower and all that stuff. And you just have a, and they usually have a bit of a crack between yep. where Always. it's installed. Yeah. Always. So yeah. I'm like, that's not comforting to me at all when I'm in no. a private <laughs> space. Yeah. People got a little carried away with them when the trend first came out and you're seeing them everywhere. And I, right. I agree with you. I think they were overused um you're right in a bathroom you're not going to get the, the the doors doesn't cannot be sealed as a barn door so you're right. not getting the privacy so yeah. I mean, that is number one i agree with you on that um <laughs> i think i still think they could be used tactfully in a yes. lot of design situations but uh i feel like they were overused a lot recently and I, so i do kind of agree that that the trend is going away but you can still mm -hmm. like you said you can still find the right situation like i just installed one in a rental property that covers up a laundry closet um, yeah and, and i think it adds a nice like accent piece to an otherwise like bare looking um area mm -hmm. so yeah it, it can be done well and sometimes it's just uh 
logistical factor, like it's better to have something that slides than something right. that flings in certain small areas. Exactly, exactly. I definitely agree. I think that it, it it can be done very well. I think that in the beginning they were all like too rustic and they mm. were too barney and now they're getting barney, is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're um but now I feel like there there is a way to make it more modern looking and space saving, like you said, depending on which side the door needs to open. It is it can be very convenient. So like I said, it's it really depends on the situation, but it was thrown in there like crazy. And I think it's because like it's probably less expensive than installing an actual door or say like the space only had room for a pocket door. Well, that's a pain in the butt. So yeah. I, I can see why people probably just went crazy with it, but I'm I'm seeing it less and less, fortunately. Yeah. All right. So uh, another one that I found very interesting was open kitchen shelving. How do yeah. you feel about this? So I, again, I love hate it. I I think that if you have a pretty decent sized kitchen and there's adequate actual cabinetry, like one or two, are cute. I think it's it's cute. You can put some really pretty coffee mugs. You can make it look really pretty. But if that's the majority of what is there, because I've seen some where it's like two open shelves, one like cabinet. I'm like, where are you going to put everything? You're telling me that I have to have, first of all, everything match perfectly and look yeah. aesthetically pleasing, which yeah. my stuff doesn't all match. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like it's it would just get chaotic and be frustrating to me i think that it, it if you have one or two and then adequate cabinetry perfect like go all out but i cannot stand it if that's like the only option 100 percent agree i i've walked into listings where they it looks awesome they've done a great job staging it and then you and after you're in the kitchen for a minute and you start to realize like wait a minute okay they staged it and it looks awesome but when you actually move in here you're gonna have like 10 times the amount of like right cups and, cups and things exactly. and you're not gonna be able to put it anywhere right um, yeah exactly yep. so yeah it could be a good design piece but it needs to be used in moderation yeah yeah all right um what did you think about the one that was all white interior um so I, I don't hate the all white interior, um, just because it's a blank slate and I think anybody can do what they want with it. Um, you can go too modern with it. Like you if can't you have go like too all white furniture. And oh yeah. Yeah. All white. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. like a no, weird, no. You know. it feels very strange. Yeah. 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 No, I, I have been in homes like that where it, it's a little just too bright and too white and like you know your stuff isn't going to be that way so it can be a little distracting i don't really hate it that much like i i don't really see it that much so it doesn't yeah, it, you're right it wasn't bother. like a huge trend that i noticed either um but yeah, you've got the white walls and the the trim is the same color and the kitchen cabinets are the same right color. i guess that might be a little over the top i think yeah. colors like more adding more color in is definitely coming back around 100 a fun accent wall you know something that just brings a little bit of life um texture like there's a lot of textured walls now that people are doing yeah. and people, walls. Sh yeah shiplap wall people love that people love some a little bit of accent now you can't get carried away with it but accent walls is, is attractive and 
it's something different. Um, yeah, I was actually in a model home yesterday and um, they, they, I was surprised. So they um, had all kinds of like they had, it was very rustic, almost felt like a hunting lodge. It was so strange. Mm. They had like, uh, just like you're talking about accent walls with like basically wood. It was a, it was a wallpaper, a textured wallpaper that looked like wood beams going across the wall. Oh. And it was actually cool looking. I'm not my style, but the people I was with, they loved it. Um, so, hey, I guess it's kind of coming back around, but they had like staged it with, um, restoration hardware have you heard of that oh yeah so it's like super rust it was really cool looking but you have to be all in on that design. yes yeah you do you do that's a lot it is a um, lot all right so the the last one i liked from this list was called was the um tuscan themed kitchen trend which yeah i want to see what you thought of it because you know i'm italian and i like italian stuff so yes. part of me feels like there is a place for this but certainly not in any type of property yeah i think that it it is it is dated it is not what people are seeing anymore that is attractive right when you walk in i think a lot of buyers are seeing they have to change it right mm -hmm. like it's not ideal anymore. It's, it's very big. Um, it's not everyone's style. So I think that it, it, like you said, there's, there's a place, there's a way to appreciate it. And I think the right buyer would appreciate it, right? Yeah, like what, yeah. what I might not like, and what I think is going to be a lot of work to change. You might be like, Oh, I love this. It reminds <laughs> me of my family. I can right, see, right. you know, cooking here. Um, I could see mom's meatballs like yeah, you know, meatballs. being made on the stovetop. So I can, it's just a personal preference. Again, I think to me, I don't hate it. I, I think that I feel warm and fuzzy when I'm, you know, when I see them, because I think about, oh, like going to Rob's families and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Like it, it makes me feel like, you know, Italian family. However, I don't think I could live in, I could live in it. I think yeah. it would be overwhelming. Yeah, and I agree. I think if you put it in like certain, like if you just put it in like suburban neighborhood, um, in a traditional, you know, two story, it doesn't really work. It's a little right. outdated feeling. But if you, if you got a nice sprawling ranch with a couple of acres yeah. and a barn, like you yeah. could get me a Tuscan kitchen. I think yeah. I would like that. Um, all right. What else did you like or dislike on that list? So it was interesting. Um, and by the way, this article is National Association of Realtors. So it, it was a, um, it, it must have a lot of input, but the number one on the list was Moss Walls, <laughs> yeah. which um, is so interesting because I've shown a lot of homes in 2021 and have not seen a Moss Wall in a home. Now, I know that there are a lot of investors looking to get an Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. To purchase them for an Airbnb. So I think what is appealing if you're booking an Airbnb is anything that can be Instagram, right? Anything that you can have plastered on Instagram because it's a cute accent wall, say it's a moss wall and it has like a glowing, you know, the name of the Airbnb behind or something like that. Um, something cute and fun. People are attracted to that as being in IG worthy, you know, oh, yeah. but as, as far as it being in a home that you permanently live in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
I mean, and but what you're saying, IG worthy means better marketing for that. For sure, Airbnb. absolutely. So, absolutely. sure, from an investor standpoint, it's great, uh, or it can be great. I guess you've got to be right. tactful about it. Right. Um, I'm with you. I haven't seen it a ton. I don't like it unless you, like you said, a restaurant or something. Like, there's a restaurant downtown Columbus that's like a rooftop patio, and they've got this big uh, moss wall that everybody posts a picture of. Like, right. Go there. Okay, that's fine, I guess. But yeah, not in my house, I don't think. No, no. And, and like, this is saying it's been touted for their health benefits, such as purifying indoor air and reducing organic comp. I'm like, oh, we're talking my about goodness. real moss. I just assumed yeah, it's fake moss. <laughs> real moss. Okay. I'm like, any kind of green wall in your house, no, get it out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um okay totally agree with you on that one as well um all right so let's let's move to the last topic before we get to our tips of the day yeah um so listing with an agent versus for sale by owner this yeah. is a big topic it's been a big topic forever it's obviously you and i are biased <laughs> but they're in the market that we're in right now uh there is like you said, there's a lot of people out there who think, well, it's going to sell no matter what. So what's the difference? Right. Um, but the statistics tell us a something a little bit different. So uh, yeah. I'll let you go first. What were your thoughts? So yes, your home may sell. Um, the exposure is going to be much more limited. Um, if you put a sign in the yard and then you put it on Zillow, okay, you'll, you'll get some views, but it won't be near enough as a realtor's marketing plan, the MLS, all everywhere that that goes. So your marketing alone is going to cut back, which means your exposure is going to cut back, which means it might take longer for it to sell. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, you're, you're going to not understand the amount of money that you can get. And listing it at a number that because your neighbor's house sold for it doesn't it doesn't matter mm -hmm. um so you're you're going to be losing out on money i think people sell uh, by owner because they don't want to pay a realtor fee um but it's worth it it's we're worth our fees um and and marketing alone but also my next point is most oftentimes for sale by owners they don't know what they're doing True. They don't understand the process of, of selling a home. And so I've had this happen to me where um, I pretty much had a double-sided deal because the seller had no idea what they were doing. So I had explained every single part of the process, which was exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I got paid less on that deal than normal <laughs> because they just, you know, put... 2% right. or something like that. Yeah. And I had to, I had to negotiate and, but they were afraid that I was taking advantage of them because they had no representation. Mm -hmm. They had no representation that knew and understood the job and understood the, the steps of the process. So they thought I was taking advantage of them on, on certain, certain steps. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could remember at this point, it was only a year ago, but a lot's happened since, but they, <laughs> they were a little afraid of, of certain things. And I had to, I had to have a lot of conversations with them of, of, of the process. And then, uh, recently another friend of mine said she was thinking about selling, you know, by owner. And I said, okay, well, do you understand the contract? Do you understand, um, the steps like inspection, like appra appraisal, mm -hmm. like, you know, 
escrow like do you understand everything that comes with the contract and she's like no i have no idea and i'm like that's why you have representation mm -hmm. it's not it's not just so we can take your money you know it's to help you not be liable for a lot of things that come with a real estate transaction that's my job that's my job as a professional in the industry is to help you walk through those steps and and i know what's legal i know how it works you're a doctor i'm not going to go do heart surgery i have no idea what the heck i'm doing i wouldn't yes. i wouldn't do it i wouldn't do it i i barely would play operation you know so like you have a job that you do because you're good at it. I have a job I do because I'm good at it and I understand it. So I, I think that's obviously my little rant of for sale by owners because you think that you can put a sign in the yard and you think that you can save money, but it will cause you a lot of stress. It will cause you a lot of frustration that you don't need to have. Yeah. I mean, Okay, you brought up like 10 different things I wanted to, to I, so I don't think I'm going to get to all of them, but uh, there's a lot of good points that you're making. Um, the first one is I haven't seen the statistic in a while. I haven't bothered to look it up in a while, but um, last time I looked it up, the, the average for sale by owner property sell sold for about 14% below the average property listed by an agent. Mm -hmm. That alone is eight percent below even if you paid a full six uh three percent and three percent a full six percent commission you know you're still looking at an additional eight percent on average so and the reason right. a, a good portion of that reason is about exposure the amount of people that are going to get exposed to your property through an agent is higher likely than as a for sale by owner so that's number one even in this market right number two I feel like a lot of the maximizing your value, maximizing the amount you can sell your house for is done in a couple of stages, but the first stage is home preparation. And if you can get an agent who knows what they're doing to help you prepare the home for sale, that's how we're going to achieve that top dollar when mm -hmm. we take it to the market and expose it to as many buyers as we possibly can. Right. Um, so you're, you're probably missing out on those two things. And the other thing to think about is even as a for sale by owner, you're likely going to end up paying a buyer's agent fee, which is going to be two or 3%. Probably, you know, most people are going to ask for 3%. Mm -hmm. And so now you're only saving a, a, a few percentage points on the difference. And you've got, like you said, all the things that you're missing out on when you're being represented by somebody who's an experienced agent. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to hire uh, uh, an agent who hasn't sold very many properties, then you may not be getting that value. Um, but if, you, if you're going to hire an agent who's got experience, who can help you, um, you know, prepare the home for sale and help you get as many buyers as possible, then you're, it's going to be worth that, whatever right. the amount is that you're, that, that you're going to pay them. Um, and it's interesting. I was having this conversation with a family friend around Thanksgiving, actually. They were telling me that they were going to sell their house in Punta Gorda, in your area, actually. Um, anyways, um, they mentioned that the, the, the agent they were hiring was reducing her commission because she said, it's easier right now for me. I don't have to work as hard, so I'll charge you a little bit less. And, and I said, well, that's, that's great if that's what they choose to do. But my thought process is she doesn't, that person, and it was a she that he was telling me about, 
she doesn't know what what how much work she's going to have to do on that listing mm -hmm. because yeah you might list it and receive multiple offers but there are so many twists and turns that can take place once you receive your offer and accept the contract that you know you could you you're going to have to go through several stages of, of negotiation after negotiating the contract that you accept and you've got repair negotiations you probably have appraisal negotiations um so the and if that buyer terminates then you've got to put the property back on the market you've got to go through another set of negotiations so as a listing agent even though the market is super hot and you might get a ton of offers it's still a lot of work to, to yeah. negotiate and navigate through 10 offers and then in this market we know buyers are getting buyers remorse and terminating more often to yeah. then you know have to put the property back on the market negotiate through another five or six offers then go through repair negotiations and all this time it's it's your expertise in the different scenarios that could occur that are where you earn your value yes you don't know right off the bat when you sign that listing contract what type of work you're going to necessarily have to do yeah. but you need to be prepared for all of it so right. as an Absolutely. agent i don't think it's that smart um to say that it's easier in this market because i don't know that it is yeah i i, I really don't think it is either and i think that it's tough sell when somebody, you know, as we talked about earlier, listing agents and, and everybody's fighting for a listing right now. Um, and they're the, the competitiveness of it. Agents are decreasing their commission to get the mm -hmm. listing. Like, mm -hmm. and that's again, like where you bring up your value on, on that listing appointment and say, there might be somebody that's willing to do it for 2% or 3% and split one and a half with each agent. But, and, a, and the buyer's agent is going to see that it's one and a half percent and they might not tell you you know they'll probably do what they can to their client for them not to put an offer on that house because they know the amount of work that they're going to have to do for one and a half percent absolutely you know and you got i i saw this happen in the market last spring uh and and if you've got uh two listings in the same neighborhood that come on at the same time and this this specific scenario actually occurred and i had a buyer that looked at both one was uh one and a half percent one was a three percent mm. and the one and a half percent the, the the other one got multiple offers the, the uh the one with the lower offering commission uh was still on the market and i received a call from that agent uh at, after the weekend asking for feedback because they hadn't received an offer and i thought interested two houses same yeah. neighborhood similar price point you know, so as a seller, you've got to consider that as a factor. Yeah. Um, you know, there there's probably other things involved. I'm not right. Saying, you know, saying yeah. it's the only reason. Yeah. But like we we would never steer our client to not put an offer on a home they wanted because of commission. I've no, I mean no. I've gotten a low commission and 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 as long as my client is happy, I it's worth whatever I get. Absolutely. I've I've definitely have have done that, and it stinks because you definitely feel like. I worked this hard for a little bit of money, but it'll always turn around where I don't work as hard and I get a lot of money. So sure, it, sure. it evens out. So I feel like the good realtors, regardless of what the commission is, they're going to do what's best for their clients. But it is, it is telling if, if, you know, you're the cheaper agent trying mm -hmm. to get a deal, like agents don't respect that. No, I mean, and you can, like, 
we can't speak for every, you know, we can speak for ourselves. Right. Um, and you're absolutely. right. Fiduciary, fiduciary, yes. You, you're going to take your clients of the property and get them whatever's the best fit for them. And you can always negotiate that buyer agency. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that every agent looks at it the same way. Think about it. If you, yeah. you know, if you're working, you know, the average agent only sells four homes a year. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's not you or I, of course, but the average right. one. So if you're working that hard just to sell four homes, subconsciously, you're not going to want to take your client to a, a property that's only going to sell, that's only going to provide you half the commission than, uh, than most listings. And yeah. so even if you tell yourself that like, you're not going to do that, you're, there might be something that um, still like somehow holds you back. Right. Does that makes right. sense. I know. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And again, I think it's, it's kind of similar to for sale by owners. You know, if you have a house listed for sale by owner to, to kind of go back to that and how confident is the buyer's agent that you know what you're doing, how confident is it that they're going to get paid, mm -hmm. you know, like oh, yeah. how it, it, it's, it's just, it's just so much easier not to list by owner, unless you know what you're doing. Like Rob, if you listed a house, obviously for sale by owner would trust, but right. most people are just throwing a sign in the yard saying that they're going to sell it and not know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're, you're not, um, in most cases, you're not saving enough money to mitigate the risks and the possibility that you're probably going to receive less money. And to be honest, as an investor, I look for for sale by owner properties because I feel like it's an opportunity that I might get a good deal. And yeah. the reality is uh, if you're listing and representing yourself going up against somebody who knows what they're doing, you might be taken advantage of. So yeah. you know, my, my advice is always, you know, hire an agent and um, you know, because in any line of business, you know, you're going to um, you're going to get what you pay for, so to speak. And so professionals are going to hire a professional to do the job of a professional. Right. You get what you pay for plumber, electrician, mm -hmm. roofer. You want them to make sure the job is done well, right? Same mm -hmm. thing with your real estate professional. You want to make sure that you're, that you're covered legally, that you have someone fighting on your behalf that, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Yes. Um, all right. So that is a great topic. You and I could probably go yeah. on and on and on, but we're not going to. Um, no. All right. So let's get to our tips of the week. What do you have? Oh, my Lanta. Um, do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Because my tip of the week is actually more for agents out there than it is for um, for people looking at buying and selling. Yeah. Um, I, came, I came across a situation recently where you know, in this market, hot market, uh, when a listing in the right neighborhood and the right price point goes on, it's going to fill up. It's going to be super popular. Right. Um, got, a, got a buyer client trying to see a house and the listing is only available for showings on Saturday, one day. Hmm. And of course, so I, I been trying to figure out how we can get into this property, but they're also not doing overlapping showings, meaning that there's only 14 slots available on a Saturday that you could schedule. All mm. those have been booked. So oh if you gosh. own that home, you've now just limited yourself to only 14 opportunities. 
It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. So, so my tip is more of kind of a gripe. I, I admit that, mm-hmm. but it's more about like, if you're listing a property, you want to expose your, your, uh, seller to as many buyers as possible and -hmm. yeah you might receive an offer or several offers just from those 14 showings but you you're definitely limiting your chances of getting the best possible offer by not allowing you know more people to get in to see that house yes absolutely absolutely agree with that i think that it kind of goes back to the preparation stage and you want maximum exposure. You want to make sure that you get the absolute best offer. And there could be somebody available who wants to see it Sunday or Friday mm-hmm. or, you know, at some point of that Saturday, and they could have offered you so much more money. You're losing money by having a short window of opportunity. Yep. Um, so I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I, I think my, uh, my tip I'll also sh- shout out to realtors, um, <laughs> is, as agents, it takes a lot of work for showings. It takes a lot of work to schedule them. Um, just so our buyers are aware it's sometimes they're vacant and very easy. And that's a dream, right? Where it's go and show, we just Mm -hmm. show up whenever it's convenient and we go oftentimes they're owner occupied. So we have a smaller window of when it's available. And then from there it's, um, some agents are saying connect with the seller directly so then you reach out to the agent to schedule then you have to reach out to the somebody else's schedule and then like for me last weekend i probably had 10 unsaved numbers in my messages that i was going back and forth to to try to remember which property is which and all this stuff and you know what's going on and the timing right so if i have one here that's 30 minutes away from here and the seller has to be there and blah 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 so that is what is going inside my head on showing day so I had a showing recently, and I think I griped to you about it, but um, I scheduled it that morning. I scheduled it that morning. It was confirmed to show for that evening. I get there that evening, text the agent just a quick question while I was with my clients, and she said that they're going under contract. And I was furious. I was so upset. I've, I scheduled, scheduled it that day. It was confirmed that day why is it going under contract? Why wouldn't you even let me see it? Or why wouldn't you communicate to me? Hey, just so you know, we have a pretty good offer, but why as a listing agent, if you know, you have a showing, why would you accept an offer? Because the off my, my offer might've been better. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, not only is it inconvenient for you and your buyer, but they could be limiting the, the price they could receive from another opportunity. Um, yeah. You're right. So they should have either contacted you ahead of time with, you know, a courtesy call to, to give you the situation, or they should have let the showing occur and got your feedback right away to say, hey, which, are you submitting an offer? You know, you know, you better right. do it quickly. That type right. Of right. Yeah. But, it, uh, it, it was an injustice to the seller and also like wastes our time. Yep. For sure. hundred percent. And it happens. You see it happen, but um, you know, the best you can do is keep is, do your heart, you know, do your yeah. best and get in there. Yeah. I mean, but I think a lot of people understand like this is a, this is a challenging market and, and it is, you know, that's I think not that on you. It's on. It, 
that's absolutely true. And it is challenging. And when you see your buyers get buyer fatigue and they get excited about a house and you know, you're, you schedule it that day and then you get to the house and they're already going under contract, it's defeating. Yeah. And it's sad for us to continue to feel like we're letting our clients down, even though it's not us, it just can feel defeating on us sometimes. And so mm-hmm. when you think you can get into a property, you are, you know, hopeful for your buyers to get under contract on something and it's 30 minutes away. You know what I mean? It's, it's exhausting on us. It's exhausting on them. And it's, it's more, it's more disheartening for, for me, in my opinion, for my clients to have to tell them bad news when they were excited about something. Yeah. I mean, but what I would say to your client is, you know, don't get discouraged because there are people buying every day, every day. And there's people selling every Mm -hmm. day. Yep. Yep. So, so even though you might've missed out a few times, you're going to hit one of them. And a lot of times you find that it's that the one you missed out on that you're discouraged was actually not going to be a good one. 100%. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. And that's what I, that's exactly what I tell my clients. Mm -hmm. I said new listings hit the market every single day. You could wake up tomorrow and that be the house that you get. And that is meant for you. It's, it's absolutely talking them down from from the feeling of defeat, the feeling of fatigue, it's encouraging them. It's saying, I'm going to be here for you no matter how long it takes, because I will, I will see it to the end. And if they need to wait a little bit longer, if they want to take a break, take a break. I'm still going to be doing my job and I'm always going to be here for you. So it's constantly having those pep talks when situations like that arise, it's to stay encouraged. And I think that's a tip for clients is to stay encouraged. It's not just you. It's happening Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. I'm having conversations with my clients to, to at the beginning, to have the expectation that you're going to feel a lot of feelings along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's normal and you are, it's part of the process and just feel them, but know you're not alone and know it's normal. Um, and that we'll be, we'll be here as realtors every step of the way. So it's, it's just back. It's, it's listing agents, you know, have the courtesy to the showing agents and, and for us as realtors to encourage our clients that, um, it will happen. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. So, all right. Awesome. Good tip from you. And uh, this is a good, a good show. We have a lot of good <laughs> topics, a lot of fun topics. So yeah, um, we will have more like that coming up next time. But uh, if I don't talk to you, have a great holiday. Happy, happy uh, New Year's coming up and a Merry Christmas as well. Crazy. Thank you. You too, Rob. I'm excited for you and your first Christmas with Luca. Yeah, it'll be fun. So exciting. All right. Well, happy holidays. Yep. Talk to you later.